a perfect road trip, a whopping 9-0 in the last nine games against the Dallas Mavericks. Everything is coming up, Suns. We'll recap another exciting Suns basketball game coming up next on Locked on Suns. Network, your team every day. We are back after a 109-101 victory by the Suns in a neck-and-neck game against the Dallas Mavericks. We're part of Lockdown Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean. Thank you for making Lockdown Suns your first listen each and every day. Thank you for finding us on YouTube, where we are continuing to grow the channel. We are less than 200 subscribers away from our next giveaway, this wonderful Kelly Oubre Jr. bobblehead, replete with AirPods with the Converse, with the man bag. He's got all of it. That is the next giveaway. So subscribe to YouTube if you haven't already. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell every Suns fan in your life. And of course, a big thank you guys to each and every one of you listening to Locked on Suns on your favorite podcast platform. Big win. Fun win. 109-101 by the Suns over the Mavericks. We'll break all of it down. Back to a normal recap show. Been a little while since we did one of these. Uh, tends tends to feel lately like the games have been on, on the weekend a lot of the time, so I'm doing multiple games at a time, or sometimes the game doesn't quite have enough to talk about, but this one 100% did. So let's start with the big takeaway, as we always do here on the show, and I think it's not going to come as a surprise what I say here. By any means. I mean, nobody's going to be shocked when I say that DeAndre Ayton's absence really loomed large over this game. And uh, I, there's some obvious ways, but I think actually the, the way in which I really saw it hurt the Suns that he was not out there might come as a little bit of a surprise to you. So I want to save that for just a moment from now. But the obvious, the rebounding. Uh, you look at the box score, and Dallas was able to get 10 offensive rebounds. That was enough for them to be, that was enough to be the difference between the two teams in the rebounding category overall. Dallas has 50, the Suns just 40 tonight. You look at points in the paint, Dallas was able to get 42. Not excellent, but for them, it felt like a lot. It felt like they were able to get downhill, like they were able to score in transition, a lot of different things. So talk about the transition in the second segment. That that was a big factor tonight as well but the rebounding the interior stuff it was was obvious uh, I will also give you the statistic that Dallas just shot just 58% at the rim but they were able to get into the short mid-range area some of that floater stuff that Luca and Jalen Brunson are so good at and without the presence of DeAndre Ayton out there they shot uh, nearly 60% on those short mid-range shots so a little worse at the rim than you might expect but a little better on those short mid-range shots they took more shots at the rim than the Suns did. So, you know, in that way, maybe you could see it. They were taking quite a bit, quite a few of those short mid-range shots as well. So some of those obvious things that you're always going to look at when you have um, a big, big man that's, you know, a star player for you, not in the lineup. But some other ways that I think Aiton, in his absence, really hurt this team tonight, the Suns, even, even in a win, was... So we saw a lot of switching and 
the Luca just takes up so much attention when you're watching the Mavericks, when the Mavericks are, you know, obviously concocting their own game plan, when opponents are game planning for them. It's it's just Luca's world in Dallas, and and understandably so. He's an MVP caliber player. Most seasons hasn't quite been that this year, but he's back to his normal self. We really saw that tonight. And so when those switches were happening, we're not even always a full-on switch, but he is so good at generating defensive attention with his drives, with his patient sort of pick-and-roll playmaking game with his more, more post-ups this season. So even if it wasn't a straight-up switch, you saw Luka baiting and drawing, especially Bismack Biombo a lot of the time tonight and punishing those players, um, punishing JaVale McGee as well. McGee had three fouls. Bismack Biombo had three fouls. Luca got to the line 11 times. Yes, he did turn the ball over eight times, which, you know, very well may have been the difference in this game, but that is another area where you miss DeAndre Ayton is that instead of a late clock switch where Luca's out on the perimeter, you know, yo-yoing his dribble around and, and deciding between a drive versus a pull-up three versus a kick-out pass, instead of Aiton being out there, it's, you know, Bismack Biombo, who who's less than ideal in that spot himself and, and is playing more than JaVale McGee lately. So that was one. And then I will say the last one and probably the most important place that you noticed DeAndre Aiton's absence tonight. And again, I know I'm being a little bit negative here. I'll get into as we go on how uh, the Suns overcame it, but you know the drill. The way they overcame it was almost the least important part here because it was Chris Paul and it was Devin Booker and it was shot making late in the game. It was limiting turnovers. It was defensive and and uh, you know physical intensity to close things out. It was the rubric that has worked for such such a long time. So maybe it's it's rude of me to ignore the greatness of this team in those situations with uh, the first segment here. But the last place that you noticed. Aiton's absence and the one that really required all that other stuff to go so well for the Suns is the defense on Luka uh, overall in in the normal course of things you know setting aside those switches and setting aside everything else the baseline uh, the, the basis of Dallas's offense is always going to be the high pick and roll with Luka Doncic now yes they're they're doing a little bit different this season Jalen Brunson has had a good year but at the end of the day it's that pick and pop with Chris Tapps Porzingis, it's the pick and roll with Dwight Powell and, you know, reacting to whatever the defense does. And for a long time, I think we've thought of this matchup being such a good one for the Suns and, and their ability to Luka, to limit Luka always being about Mikhail Bridges. And I think clearly that's still a factor. I mean, Luka shot less than 50% from the field. He had those eight turnovers. Bridges had four steals. I'm not trying to reverse that narrative by any means, but... What I think we maybe should be thinking about that might be more accurate is that the Suns defend Dallas so well because of the two-man bracketing that they're able to do of Luka because they can have somebody like Mikhail who can fight over those screens, who can stay attached to Luka, who can get a hand in his face, make him uncomfortable, turn him over, and they have that extra back line of defense at the basket where Luka's drive-and-kick game where he's so comfortable just isn't as easy with hands and bodies in his face in the form of not only Mikael Bridges, but also DeAndre Ayton. And then you complete that with the fact that their offensive rebounding was working so well, that they were shooting from deep better than the Suns were, and that some of their key shooters like Porzingis and Hardaway in particular really came alive tonight. And it's easy to see why, despite Bridges still doing his thing and some other things going well for the Suns, 
just that that struggle to defend the basic action that Dallas wants to go to without your your defensive anchor is still going to be a challenge. And so maybe it's not just that Mikhail Bridges is this kryptonite for Luka, but it's that those two together, and it's not just Luka. I mean, this is a lesson to be learned more broadly about the Suns is those two guys together and their chemistry together and their versatility together is what makes the defense special, more so than just one of them. Of course, Jay Crowder deserves some respect there. Devin Booker had an incredible block, but you guys know what I mean. It's it's that tandem in the pick and roll that is able to just squash so much of what opponents are going to do. That's what happened in most of these matchups in the past, the past eight times that these teams played. But against Dallas tonight, the Suns were able to get it done in other ways. So let's talk about some of those, starting with the transition game, which really, in my opinion, decided a lot of what happened tonight in a 109-101 Suns victory. First though, guys, Bet Online would like to wish each and every Locked On Suns listener a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all of your sports wagering action in 2022. They are celebrating the new year as well with a updated desktop site and mobile app. So head to betonline.ag on the web or download their app on your favorite app store. Make an account, and when you do, use the promo code Locked On when you make your first deposit to get a 50% welcome bonus straight to your account. That's promo code Locked On when you make your first deposit to get a 50% welcome bonus at Bet Online. From the basketball stretch run to the football playoffs still ongoing, to even your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available throughout 2022 at Bet Online. The fastest and easiest way to bet. On all of your favorite sports, bet online where the game starts. Continuing on here, highlighting another more positive, although I think you guys get me with the Aiton thing because um, that really it loomed over every part of the game. It loomed over the rebounding, it loomed over the defense, it loomed over the rotation, a lot of stuff. So I, I don't mean to really, I don't really feel like that was nece- necessarily negative, but a resounding positive for the Suns was the transition game. Um, on both ends, I think you could say. So I'll tell you what I mean. The Suns in the first half, let me get that score. Dallas was out, uh, was up 53 to 45 after the first half of this game. Um, they were really ready with runs often. And, you know, the, the book on Dallas this season has been their improved defense. And the first half was no difference. It wasn't really the 53 points that jumps out, but it's limiting this Suns offense to only 45 points. That really was the difference. And so you look and the, the connection between defense and offense, I mean, it's obvious to anybody who loves basketball, but it was really stark in this game. In that first half, it felt like Dallas was able to get out and transition whenever they wanted to. They were able to turn defense into offense. They had only one steal in this game. So I guess maybe my memory is is not serving me well. I know there were also, I was going to secondarily say the live ball misses, but maybe that was a bigger part of it than I remember because you also had the Suns missing their threes. This game was defined by that early on. The Suns finish with 22% from deep, despite taking 36 of them. And so Dallas was also able to turn those long bounce, you know, threes have that long rebound, typically. 
And so Dallas was able to turn that into offense for themselves as well. Now, only six fast break points, but I'll tell you what I mean with the numbers a little bit better. So Dallas in this game added 6.3 points per 100 possessions to their offensive rating when they were in transition. And that's a, a stat that Cleaning the Glass likes to use. I know you guys who have listened before know that website, but they dial things down way more than your typical uh, box score will. They go play-by-play on this stuff, and they sort it out, and they tell you, yes, Dallas was really, really juicing its offense when it went out and ran. But you look a little bit closer, they were only able to do that 10% of the time, and my gut tells me from watching the second half that most of it was in the first half, and that in, in the second half, those opportunities dried up because the Suns started to make their threes at least a little bit more consistently in that second half. The turnovers completely went away. They only had seven total in this game. And so even though Dallas was scoring well when they ran, they weren't able to do it anymore. And so that effectively reversed everything in this game. So whereas the Suns only had 45 points in the first half, the Mavs only had 48 in the second half and only 19 in the fourth quarter when the Suns outscored them by 16 points. On the other end, you go to the Suns. Well, I actually want to say first on Dallas. On top of all of that, their their half-court offense, they were only scoring just under 80 points per 100 possessions in the half-court if you were to... They didn't have a full 100 possessions, but extrapolate that out, only less than 80. Whereas the Suns scored 95 points per 100 possessions in the half court in this game. And so that, that in and of itself could have decided the whole thing. But you couple that with the fact that the Suns actually were able to turn the transition game into their own strength in the second half. And you start to understand why this game turned out the way that it did. The Suns, almost a quarter of their total possessions tonight were in transition and they were even better than Dallas. They added over 10 points to their offensive rating when they were able to get out in transition. So they, they, they did better in the category that the Mavs were supposed to be excelling in, and they did better in the half court where the Mavs struggled. So it honestly, when you look at it just from that perspective, that, that should have been the whole game. I think Dallas honestly only stayed in it because their shooting was better and because they got to the free throw line a bit themselves and everything else. But Dallas turned the ball over 19 times. Brunson and Doncic had 14 turnovers compared to just two for Booker and Paul combined. And I think you're starting to see the story of this game pretty pretty easily, frankly. Um, and especially in that fourth quarter, we saw Mikael Bridges do his thing, turning defense into offense. We saw Jay Crowder buckled down on a couple key possessions and only one block for this team, and yet it was a really dominant defensive performance. So they're not even, they're down their starting center. I talked about the difficulties containing the pick and roll, and yet still they're able to buckle down, play the pace that they want to play, and, and win the game when they needed to. That is not always how this team wins, frankly, but in this case it was. And obviously a few nice buckets, the, the pull-up three from the left wing late for Chris Paul and uh, a couple mid-range jumpers from Devin Booker as well were able to close things out late. But it's not always how this team wins. You know, sometimes there's games where it's just Booker, for instance, going for 48 points or, you know, sometimes they are able to just really run the three-point shooting to a victory. But in this game, it was 
controlling the pace, taking back control of the pace, and uh, turning defense into offense, which when you can do that, it, it starts to be really, really easy for you, and that's what we saw tonight in that second half for the Suns. Let's close out the game. Uh, let's close out the pod here, recapping this win by the Phoenix Suns by talking about uh, we'll have some fun. I want to poke fun at the Mavericks a little bit. You cannot lose nine straight teams to a games to a team that you are theoretically sort of a rival of and expect not to be crapped on a little bit. So we will have our fun here. I'm going to unveil a new recap segment to close out the show called Fun, But Not That Bad. And I'll tell you what I mean in a second. First, though, quick word from Built Bar. Heading into 2022, we all are doing our best already to keep with our New Year's resolutions. I know that mine is actually a little bit of a flip. Some people like to make a point of going to the gym more, dedicating themselves to a routine, but I actually had a big, long program that just ended. So part of my deal has been trying to figure out something new, and it's hard. You don't always know where to go for answers. You don't always you don't always give yourself a resolution that's easy to keep, but Built Bar helps you keep yours when it comes to eating right, something we honestly have a monthly resolution to do that, frankly, or a weekly sometimes, but Built Bar makes it easy because they are actually delicious. So if you are low on protein in your diet or you find yourself snacking on things that you know you probably shouldn't be, Built Bar can help be a part of that solution. Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. They are soft and easy to chew. They are never going to crack five grams of sugar. They're never going to crack more than 170 calories, and they're always going to be packed with 15 to 20 grams of protein. So that light easy snack that tastes good that you know is going to be fueling you in the right way not bogging you down with too much sugar too many calories whatever it might be the typical snacks that we all gravitate toward built bar can be that replacement that is easy to stick with because it actually tastes delicious so go to built.com check out their variety raspberry cookies and cream mint brownie so many more Purchase your first pack and use the promo code LOCK15 when you do to get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. We're going to get to Fun But Not That Hard. I don't know if I love that that name. Fun But Not... Fun But... Fun But Simple? Fun But Smooth? I think Fun But Not That Bad is actually the best one. So I'll stick that. We'll, We'll get to it in a second, but let's first here talk through the rotation. So bench mob vibe check, that is a typical segment we like to do here, and I think it's a good time to bring it back. With DeAndre now, and there's rumors that, you know, this injury, I don't know, it could, could it seems like it could make him be gone for a while. Um, I, I hate saying that, you know, nobody likes to, to hear that necessarily, but, um, you know, it sounds like he might be in a cast, sounds like he might be in a boot, whatever it is. And I don't think they have a reason to push it with him. So I could easily see them, you know, holding him until he's he's really right, just like they've done with a lot of players this year. So with that all said, a couple of things to note. JaVale McGee's starting, but the Suns are doing their best to keep him in that 15 to 20 minute range that Monty Williams has talked about all season long. That's the sweet spot for JaVale where you're getting the most out of him, but not overexerting him. Remember, Obviously, you know, he's foul prone, but he also has asthma. And so that's been a key for him throughout his career is to find that balance in his game where his energy can really be an impact, but he doesn't get worn out. So he played 18 minutes tonight, didn't really get into foul trouble. It was really just, you know, straight up 18 minutes. That that was the rotation that that, that was desired. And then Bezmek Biombo played the other 28. So the Suns did not get funny with 
you know, super small ball or anything like that. Those two guys are playing. Uh, actually, hold on. That only adds up to 46. So they must have been a couple minutes in there with uh, the super small ball stuff. But for the most part, no Jalen Smith. Maybe there's, you know, a few of those here and there against a smaller team like Dallas. But Bismack played 28 minutes and was pretty effective. I think you also saw him get a little bit exposed sometimes. And that'll start to get on film if, if teams didn't already know it already. You know, maybe try to get Bismack switched out on you late in a possession, things like that, and you can take advantage of him. But, you know, for the most part, I don't think the Suns, they're too good at other stuff and too good out of at bailing themselves out of those mistakes for it to really matter. I think that'll continue to be the mix while Aiton is out. McGee, 15 to 20, Bismack, the rest. Maybe you do see Smith if there's foul trouble situations or, you know, maybe there's some super small stuff with Crowder at center that occasionally pops up, but that seems to be what we are looking at. The other rotation thing to look at the bench mob vibe check here is Landry Shamit, who I honestly, I don't mean this to be crass or, or gross, but like, I hope that it's COVID that's holding him back right now, because if it's not, the alternative is a lot grosser, um, even than that, um, because he's not playing well at all. He was, um, the, the Suns got outscored by 10 points during his 10 minutes tonight. And he was an 0 for 2 from the field with three fouls in his 10 minutes. That's about as bad of a stat line as you will ever see uh, for a you know championship team's rotation players. I mean, this is a guy who is theoretically part of the Suns' top eight or nine players on any given night and a guy who you would expect to be in their playoff rotation. He seemed to be getting it going when Booker was out with injury, but, you know, been a few weeks now. And he had COVID, and so he was out too, but... He uh, he's not looking like a like an impact guy right now at all, and and I I don't really think that he's necessarily in danger of losing out on his spot. I mean, ten minutes. It's not as if teams are hunting him. This is not a playoff situation where you need to have a perfectly crafted rotation. You can afford to put guys like that out there and allow them to play through their mistakes. But Shamit, it just needs to get better. And if it doesn't, and we do get to the playoffs and it's still not looking good, then, you know, maybe it will first before then, maybe that impacts the trade deadline. And then past that, you know, maybe it impacts how the Suns approach their rotation. You know, maybe Abdul Nader gets minutes over him. Maybe Alfred Payton gets minutes over him. Maybe, you know, theoretical trade player X, Eric Gordon, that everybody seems to be really high on all of a sudden gets his minutes. But that's just a little bit of a taste of where things are with the rotation. It's so crazy so crazy to get to see a great season like this where last year I just I I know I've said this before but like I keep feeling like last season was such a surprise that everything felt novel so it's like yeah by the end of the year we kind of knew what this team was but even then it's like oh well how do they look in this type of situation and what does this matchup mean for them and how do they handle this injury and everything else so it felt very new but going into this year where you knew it was going to be awesome and everybody fits so well together to just see how the Suns are able to handle you know can't right now we just came off of all anyone could talk about for a month was Cam Johnson now he's quiet again because he had this ankle sprain and he's coming back from it very slowly so he's down you have Landry Shamit, who can't make a shot and seems like COVID really affected him. And that's down. You don't have DeAndre Ayton in the lineup. All those things are, are cons or negatives right now. But then you look and it's like, oh, maybe Jay Crowder's on a little bit of a hot streak and is going to turn his shooting season around a little bit. And Cameron Payne is back to being 
a little bit of a better decision maker and more effective score for this team. So that's different because he had been pretty bad for a while. And look, here we are. It's completely flipped and yet they're still winning. They have not missed a beat and the road trip was perfect. Like the way that great teams can just overcome slumps and mistakes and rotation shortcomings and injuries and things like that has just been awesome to watch. And, and just another example tonight, but let's close things out here. Uh, fun, but easy. Fun, but not bad. Whatever we're going to go with here. I'll go fun, but easy. I think that that's short and sweet and to the point. And I think you might know where I'm going with this already, but I was watching this game and because we're past the halfway point and I'm, you know, impatient, I guess you could say. I'm watching a lot of these Western Conference games that the Suns play thinking, what are the, what would the playoff matchup look like? Would this be entertaining for four to seven games? Obviously, you don't want it to be too difficult for the Suns because you want to see them get a chance to make another deep run and not get screwed with that first round matchup that they got last year. However, I was watching this game and I thought this would be a really fun playoff series. These teams always tend to bring the most out of each other. They match up in a really interesting way. Um... All three games have been pretty entertaining and competitive this season, not to mention some of their past duels. And I was like, yeah, that would be awesome. I would love to watch it. And obviously the storylines of the 2018 draft stuff coming up again and the, you know, there's endless stuff here, you know, all that would be fun. I maintain that. You know, maybe it's a second round series if Dallas can sort of be an upset type of team. Maybe it's, Dallas gets the five seed and they upset the Jazz in the first round and the Suns have the one seed and they end up playing the Mavericks. Something like that would be awesome. It'd be cool to watch. But can't be, I mean, can't be scared of the Mavericks, right? I mean, come on. Like, while these games have been entertaining, they haven't been particularly close. Dallas gave up a a double-digit lead in the fourth quarter at home, and the Suns were missing their third or fourth best player, depending on how you rank these guys. They've lost nine straight to this team. They lost in the bubble. They lost every single time last year. They've lost every single time this year. And they lost just before the bubble, or just before the shutdown, when DeAndre Ayton really announced his arrival in a road game in Dallas in January, February of 2020. So for two straight years now, the Suns team has owned this Mavericks team, Luka Doncic rarely plays his best games against the Suns. Kristaps Porzingis is not much of a weapon against this Suns team, and they have no answer for guarding Devin Booker. They don't really have an answer for guarding Chris Paul. These teams maybe bring the energy out of one another, and they do have some interesting chess moves to play, but the Suns have the checkmate. They have multiple checkmates in their back pocket against this Mavericks team. So I... I have a feeling next week I might bring Fun But Easy back because of a, a, a certain team in the Pacific or the I guess the Mountain West. The Suns play twice next week. I don't want to uh, be too disrespectful too quickly, but uh, we might we might be in for another segment like this next week. But that'll close us out, guys. Another fun week on Lockdown Suns. Thanks for making our show your first listen every single day. If you are a Suns fan, you want to get the latest, you want to get the chatter around this team, and you want to have some fun doing it. This is the place for you. So again, thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen. Now, go make Locked On Bets your second listen to get ready for round two of the NFL playoffs. Talk to you guys on Monday.